0: Welcome to Practically a Fabringian, a podcast about life, about getting real, and about Chabad Hasidus. Here's our hosts, Menachem Poznansky and Rabbi Mayer Prager. Hey, Practically a Fabringian! Welcome back to the podcast. So, we're still talking about Torah. Must be a big deal. But before we get to that. I want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review on Apple or on Spotify. It really helps. If you could take a minute right now, even, if you're on your phone, just go in there and, yeah, t- right, right right, there. Yep, five-star review. Thanks. If you write a review, it's even better. Anyway, you can also pass on the good word by letting people know about the podcast. Anyway, here we go. Parakeet, middle, back to Tyra. Here's Mayor. Okay, welcome back. It's been a while. I don't know when this will come out, but... Uh, Mayor and I have not sat down uh, for a month. We I, Pesach I, in I felt between, withdraw.:.: Okay, so we're in the middle of Parakeet, which is good well, valid. First of all, the fact that we made it to Parakeet is a whole thing in and of itself. But uh, we're in the middle of Parakeet. And the question now is, what are we up to?
1: What are we up to? <laughs>
0: Well, it's been a month,
1: <laughs> Um, We were up to the uniqueness that the, the Alter Ebbe is, is discussing, what's unique most in learning in general and learning terror in particular. And what we spoke about last time was that what's very interesting about learning is when you first learn something, you take control of the idea, some idea that's outside, and you, you go ahead and try to figure it out. And once you understand it, then it takes control over you. Mm. use the analogy of respect that in the beginning you don't uh, you learn the concept that you need to respect and once you really understand how important it is to respect now all of a sudden respect rules your life and that is the concept of intellect in general what's unique about understanding is that first you're reaching out to something that's outside of you and then the clearer you get it the deeper you understand it the more it takes control over you. That's where we left off last time. And in then,
0: relationship to Torah?
1: In relationship to anything. Okay. In Torah, what's unique is that since, based on what we've been learning in the previous chapter, since God put himself in Torah somehow in his, in, in his infinite ability, he, he put himself in the teachings of the Torah. So then, therefore... Then when we get it, and it gets us, there's a bond with us, with God, that's unmatched by anything else. And since, even though the, the concept of us understanding something and taking control of us is true to all logic, all concepts, but everything is limited. But over here, since God put himself into inter, then a little bit of inter opens up an avenue connect to God on a way way greater than the concept of whatever we're learning
0: can I, can I ask a question on that sure I oh, know that's not where we're supposed to be so, so part of what we're alluding to is in you know in uh, Chazal teach us that the uh, the Aseras start with Anoichi right and the word Anoichi is Anunnafshik Siva Yehovas like I wrote my soul into this right and you're somewhat alluding to that that God implanted his very spirit into Torah so by being consumed by the idea, an idea of Torah, you're almost being consumed by by God, right. by Hashem's nefesh, right? Am I? Yes. So is God consumed by the Torah in the same way that we become consumed by the Torah, or is it a different meaning? Is it the same type of thing?
1: That's where I, that's where I'm going. Okay.
0: okay. Oh. That's okay. Cool. Okay.
1: Great. Yeah. That's great that you that we're on sync. Okay. Great. <laughs> in sync.
0: Okay. Great. Awesome. So
1: he says so. His next point is, he goes, that's why it's called food. <laughs> many times the Torah is referred to as lachmi, my food, food, in Kemach elater. Many, many places, both in Kabul and in Nikola, everywhere it said in, 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 in Tilghem, we have references of terror being represented by the concept of food. So he goes, he says, why? And then he gives a basic explanation on food. What happens is you consume it. Once you eat it and you get you digest it, at that point it transforms. It's now its nutrients, and now its its substance becomes your goes into your blood flow, becomes your body. A person is constantly. Rejuvenating, As we know, the skin sheds, everything gets reborn. What does it get reborn with? What's the sustenance? The foods that we eat is what becomes who we are. Mm. And he says that's why the terror is referred to as food, is because when we learn it and we consume it in our brains and then we digest it, it then takes on a whole new property. It brings out its, its real property. And you know, while we're chewing it, chopping it down with our teeth, and then when it goes into our intestines, it breaks it down. And whatever, all the nutrients that are in that food are then distributed around the body. And then the person is a healthy person and can live. So in other words, the Torah is not just words written in on a book, when Deuteronomy says it's, rachmi, it's only it only becomes real food. Food is not a burger on a plate. F- you know, food is when you consume it. Mm. You turned it into food. Food's like an action. It's the process of where, we, where something becomes di- two things. One thing outside of us becomes digested in the person, and then it becomes its sustenance. So when you ask me this ter- when about God... Is it the same way? He put it into this transform he put it himself like in a pill, so to speak. That when you eat this pill, it gets completely digested. You eat this food, he put himself so he can implant himself in us, and then we become respectively a different person. Actually I I I, I just, I'm reminded of an amazing story. I met this individual. Once, I mean once, I knew him, I, my family lived, you know, a block away from this person. He was my, fa- you know, my parents' friend, the parents' friends. And, uh, and I mean, he was a very interesting person. And, and So, I, I used to speak to him once in a while. And once he told me that in the late 40s, he was reading a book in 770. And there ever, who was not there ever at the time, like was behind him. And he sees what he's reading, some book. And he says, and he, and he tells him, he goes, "They say that that guy, you know, the author of that book, was a, a mudna mensch. A mudna mensch means a strange person. a little bit strange. That's all the rabbi told him. So he tells me he says, he says, "That should have been enough warning for me." You know, because he respected their evidence, He goes, but actually, that intrigued me even more. So I, I've been, I've been very much into this guy's works. And I found out that he also did this and he did that, and he's going on to tell me, you know, how extensive research he did about this person and how interesting it is. And when he's telling me the story, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. Why? Because even though he's an interesting person, I always found this guy to be strange. <laughs> I always found him a strange person. <sighs> And then all of a sudden I realized that the emperor was kind of giving him a little guidance and trying to help him out. Like, you know, when you read something, you digest it. Mm. And when you digest it, it becomes part of your blood and your brain and your head. And you start thinking like that. Mm. And you become that to a certain degree. If you're really buying into the author, you become the author or you become the philosophy to which affected the author. So be careful. This guy didn't take the warning shot. Right. And he became strange. And this, the same, that's in the negative. In the positive, I mean, look at how many people in the Bolshova movement or anything like that, where they learned something and they were inspired. And that, new, that information changed the way their brain is structured and how they think. And then they become a different person. And the more they would eat from this diet, the more you you change, you, don't, you can't even real, you, you can't even look back anymore. You, you, can, you don't even recognize yourself anymore. And that's the deeper part of terror. When you learn it this way, it's true to every logic, but even more so in terror because God embedded himself into it. But this is the way the system works. You learn, you become that, and you become food. And just like in food, do some things called junk food and if you eat junk food then you it changes the person also mm-hmm. mentally i was talking to somebody who told me recently about novels i said i wonder how many people who are obsessively read romance novels actually have a good healthy romantic life they probably don't right because they've ate so much romantic junk food right that they can't see anymore.
0: It's the same thing with like uh, visual stimulation, not right. to be crude, right? It's the same, same thing. Same thing. Right. One once It actually acts as a block to be able to get one, what you want.
1: That's part of learning. It's right. what you're seeing. Right. You know, seeing is also it's a deeper mm. part of learning. So that's that's the, so with that he's explaining why terror is so important and learning to her. And also there's one more one more aspect I think that he's adding over here, and that is that it's lach, He uses the positive lachmi, becomes my food. Everybody has a different digestive system. They don't always process they don't process the foods the same way. Everybody, you know, depending on, on your makeup, that's how you that's how you digest. And the same thing with learning. It's not just like learning and understanding what it says in the book but mm. it's how it's digested by you you know it's how am i how how am i personalizing this information what does it mean to me let's say if, for example now we're days you know we're in Eimer so counting the aimer to to counting the days to shavuos is it just a bracha you know you could just learn it where it's just food and you gulp it down and that's the worst way of processing you right. just swallow it whole without chewing it and system doesn't digest well, and, and, and the results are accordingly. Or you're like, what does it really mean? We're, why am I not anticipating uh, Shavuos coming? It's only days, it's, the, the, the days are counted. I mean, they're telling us to count it. So the more you personalize it, the more it becomes a food. It actually becomes, like he says over here, a chayis, a life, a new life.
0: Very, very powerful. So I want to just touch on the different points that I took from what you were saying.
1: Generally, I speak until you cut me
0: off. All right. <laughs> I was trying to be patient this time. <laughs> I even me. brought a pen and a paper. <laughs> Can anyone who's watching this to see it. I generally have not done that before. but Okay, so you said very, very powerful things. So in trying to understand why Chazal call or refer to the Torah with the analogy of food, but it sounds like it's a little more of an analogy. It's almost like a, they operate in a similar system. You described that the way that food works is that the, the person eats the food, they break it down into nutrients. Those nutrients become part of the system. The, the self, the body is constantly regenerating. So therefore, the food that we're feeding our bodies in order to, that it has the strength and the energy to regenerate the system become an aspect of the system itself because it's part of, it's being infused with, into the process, right? Okay. So- In the same light, when we kind of chew on Torah, extracting spiritual nutrients, we are allowing those spiritual nutrients to become part of the process. And therefore, they become part of who we are. It influences who we are. It's part of a a very organic uh, process of development and personal evolution, right? Okay, so you made another point, though, that you made a, a number of very, very powerful points. Food is food when you consume it. If you just made, if you made a beautiful steak just to take a picture of it, which my wife's a photographer, she does some food, you know, food photography, right? They'll make beautiful food and no one eats it. So is it really food or it's just a nice picture of food, right? The food is food when you you make it and you taste it and it's delicious. And then when your body breaks it down, which is interesting, touching on the last point you just made, you are an active, vibrant part of the process, because you are the one breaking down the food, transforming it into nutrients, and those nutrients then are reintroduced into the system, and then they become part of the system, so you are what you eat, right? So, like, you are a vital aspect of the process. So, when it comes to Torah, God, or the aspect of God that we're talking about is that's infused into Torah, is the sustenance, is the nutrients, that we can extract, right? So I asked you, is God consumed by Torah in the same way that we are consumed by Torah? And the answer is no. The divinity in Torah is the nutrients that God has kind of implanted within Torah. And then we are, so to speak, the eaters that are processing and then becoming unified with those nutrients. So Torah in this frame, in this way of looking at things, is the delivery system for the vital divine nutrients that God left in the world for us. While we're on our journey of spiritual growth, these nutrients are there and then they become part of the system and the system starts to evolve. And then you discussed how even when we're studying or reading any any author, any piece of information, as we absorb that information, it really starts to influence who we become, as we've been discussing. Because if I'm growing in this kind of organic grassroots way, right? I'm incorporating, let's say, ideas into a system. And one of the things I wanted to talk on is like in today's day and age, not just thinking about the books that we read, right? But also the podcasts that we listen to, right? Or the different things that we absorb the information. I think more than let's say like music in the past, music I'm sure is a much more subtle way of absorbing energy. But like you sit and listen to the same guy's podcast every day, you're really starting to absorb his way of thinking and his way of looking at the world into your way of thinking and looking at the world. And that's like something that's interesting for us to think about. And then the last thing that you said was that Torah is called my food, lachmi. On the one hand, that references back something that you said before, which is that I am an active part of the process because I'm the one who's digesting the food, right? It has to be digestible to me. It has to taste good to me or else the food is useless, right? For you to make me a, a scrumptious, nutritious meal, that I don't like, that I find disgusting, is not food because I'm not going to eat it and break it down. The nutrients that are contained within the food are totally useless, right? So I am an active part of the process. It has to be digestible by me. But also, the more I personalize the process, so to speak, of Torah, of that process, meaning personalize it to my likes and to my tastes and to my nature and to my koichos, to my energy, the more I, the more I invest myself in the process, the more. It becomes lachmi. More it becomes mazo for my soul. More it becomes that nutrient delivery system. So I guess part of the main point I wanted to draw out is, well, a is did I miss something, right? Am, am I missing something? Is to, are we just supposed to look at Torah as if a, a delivery system for spiritual nutrients of God embedding Himself, or is that just an aspect of it? Is it more than that? And second of all, how does that relate, let's say, in your mind, to how we absorb information? When we're also, let's say, trying to practice an open-mindedness, a willingness, right? If I just close myself to what I know to be like, connected to me, I can end up in a very closed-minded space, a very, very limited space, right? If I had applied that principle, let's say for me personally, Chabad Chasidis would have never been present. Chabad was, right? Because I grew up in a a uh, more yeshiva background chabad it was over there without some measure of open-mindedness i never get exposed to Panemia Torah. and never none of those things open up so on the one hand i want to be open to receiving everything that's available to me on the other hand i don't want to be absorbing right. nutrients that are d- destructive to my soul so mm-hmm. how would you
1: what was the first what was the first question yes yeah, so did i miss
0: anything Right.
1: No, there was something else, yes. Yeah. Well,
0: the terror is just a delivery system?
1: Oh yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that because I was I was going to mention that first and I forgot. The previous chapter we said that Torah is like water. Right. And now we're saying Torah is like food. Mm. It, you know, it's interesting, it's like God himself you know, we know by by God we have different names. Right. Yeah, Okim, you'd you know you'd K, this way, the one a name that you can't even pronounce, you're not allowed to pronounce. The names and the analogies that we give is to bring out one aspect. The answer is an aspect. Mm. Last time we spoke about water because we wanted to, deter, wanted to tell you wants to tell us that even though you're understanding it on a low level, you're not missing anything. Mm. Over here, we're talking about the intake of how what happens once that water seeps into you. So it's like food process. It's not like water, where you literally drink a cup of water, and 15 minutes later, you're going to deliver the water back. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you're just passing it through. Right. It's not. It's not like water. ceases once we drink it, it sees. It becomes more. It becomes food-like in the sense that wow. it it Oh, that's interesting. So that that's one. also. It, on the other th- on the other point, you have to say two two things. First of all, you're worried about open minded. I mean, I, I I personally found it's harsh to say that, but the more open minded I saw someone being, is the more empty minded I also saw them being. Right. You, you need you know you you need to commit to something, but you have to at the same time be open. So actually, that's one of the most beautiful parts of terror itself. Of the le- of, of the w- learned correctly, and especially at the way he spe- speaks about it over here in terror. At the last thing he says about learning a, a shema. In other words, the purpose is to connect to God. Mm. Where when when you study anything, whatever it is, no matter how open minded you are, and your purpose is that you need to understand it. It's about you. Wow. You are by default closing your mind off to everything else, and you become actually agitated when someone doesn't agree with you and you hear something different but when you're learning when it comes to terror and knowledge and you're saying this is the way god sees it then then not only are you becoming smarter and more insightful and more knowledgeable you're becoming more open Mm. because one second god made this guy too and he also learned Mm. let me hear what he has to you know I'm listening to him, but when your objective always is a connection to God and connection to the truth, not the way it is the way I see, you know, the ultimate truth, God, then you you you're, you can communicate with anybody. I find myself also fine I have I have friends that are that are religious, not religious, Catholics, Muslims. Speak to you can speak to anybody. You shouldn't be have a problem, and it doesn't affect my perspective on life. I actually end up you know. Respecting all of them in their respective spots, because the terror create God made all these people and gave them all missions, and each one has a beautiful thing that nobody else has hmm. and terror is the one that's the main ingredient that terror is going to give when when he put himself in terrors he's putting him his perspective into it, and therefore you can see it in everybody else it's interesting you in this Tanya, I, I, I didn't think it was, I didn't mention it, but now I see it is important to mention. He says, when you are in halacha, and he gives an example of halacha, he goes, even of a halacha, that a a, a ruling that it will never, ever happen. So you have to, I'm, I'm reading it, I'm like, so one second, why would there be a ruling that never, ever can happen? Why is it even in the rule book? <laughs> Like, why is there a teaching that could never happen? Like there's, you know, the Gemara mentions about Irina Dachas, a city that completely went, everybody in the city went bad. Or Ben Seri a kid that's passed, and they say it never happened. Why? Because the Torah is giving you God's perspective. Things that are in front of you, are things that will never happen. It's completely seeing things from a, a, a different zone and therefore you will not get close-minded the more you learn it Mm. and also what's interesting by using the food analogy is as any nutritionist would tell you is that you know i know you like carbs but you can't just eat carbs you know you need to have some meat and you need some vegetables and you need fish and you literally you need every part of the diet uh, everything that's that's there now granted. Meat in moderation. Not everybody has to have the same amount of meat. Some people have to stay off of meat to a certain degree at a certain time. Some also same also with learning. You can't just learn the things that you like. It won't be a healthy diet. Mm. It's a combination. Doesn't mean you have to have mostly, but it's 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 a full whatever's out. You know you, you, you sometimes and, and like you go to nutritionist. You have to go to mashpia somebody. To help you figure out what's the best diet for you mm. why? because ultimately that's because we're connecting to God, and the answer God said usually is outside of you, and then you'll find yourself
0: Wow, okay, so you said three amazing <clears throat> things uh, three things really, really powerful so you're saying first of all that the reason why the Torah puts such a premium on learning Lishma, right and one of the shalolishmas, one of the the most refined layers of shalolishma is learning in order to be a wise person, right? That there's, cause there's a measure of like me in there. I'm not learning it. I'm not seeking knowledge in order to what you described as I'm, looking to connect to God because God is truth and I'm looking to connect to truth, right? So I'm seeking truth in an ultimate way, right? But rather I want to become a wise person so other people like me or other people respect me or because I want to be wise, right? There's layer upon layers of motive there. But one of the values of kind of refining our motive is that it keeps us safe from influences and keeps us directed towards always constantly looking for the truth, right? That was one thing you said. The other thing you said is that the nature of Torah itself, right? And this particularly has expression when a person starts to learn um, the revealed aspects of Torah and you start to learn sugyos of things that will never, A, they'll never encounter you or they may not even ever encounter the world. There's such an idea in Torah, that right? They have situations that the Torah comments on that Chazal admit never happen, right? And people have a hard time with that sometimes because sometimes that things seem very, very harsh, And it's like, no, 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 that never happens, right? So what's the point of learning it? Well, the point of learning it is to, to, like you said, to gain a perspective or to try to gain some clarity on how God would view that situation, right? Which inherently molds and forms our pathways of thinking and allows us to see the world in a clearer way. And that also acts as a guard against falling into empty-mindedness. Right. and staying into in open-mindedness. And then the last thing you said is that obviously a person needs a balanced diet. And the Svaram all talk about the fact that a person should invest themselves in the parts that they love, right? It's not good to make the ma- the major part of your meal something that you hate. The main okay. part of your meal should be something that you feel an uh, for, drawn towards, right? But a person only ate the things that they love they do a very unbalanced diet and be very unhealthy. And that's what we have. There's the idea of mentorship, mashpia, right? And this. a guide, someone who can help you devise a plan to have a balanced diet so that you, A, feel great, you feel inspired, but you're also getting all the different nutrients that you need.
1: I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in.
0: Okay, it's great. Mayor. thank you so much. It's really, really meaningful. But it's meaningful for everyone else the way it's for me. That's a really, really me. great. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. thank you so much.